millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I am your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall, as you know, is a lecture series. It takes place in a bar usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People speak on all sorts of topics with the one restriction being that they cannot speak on topics on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. Uh, after each uh, lecture, we take questions. Hell not we, I, I take questions from the audience. Um, uh, and uh, that's part of the show too. This of course is the Trampling Hall podcast. You are not at a show in a bar. You're listening to a podcast unless you're at a show in a bar and also listening to a podcast at the same time, which is a weird thing to do, but whatever, fine, good on you. Um, but this is the podcast. What happens here is that we go back through uh, the the vast uh, and, and complex archives of Trampoline Hall. And for each episode, we choose one lecture, one Q&A, and we send them through you, uh, through your ear wires and uh, uh, to, for your entertainment and edification. Um, so that's what we're going to do here. Oh, one thing to tell you too, if you like the show, if you like the podcast, you should check out Trampling Hall Live. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't live in Toronto. Well, now you don't have to because everything is nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Uh, as long as the pandemic is still on, and, and let's hope it is while you're listening to this, as long as the pandemic's still on, we'll be doing online shows. And so if you get on our email list, we'll let you know when the online shows are. You can come to that. They're actually pretty neat. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. Uh, anyhow. So that's a thing to know. Uh, uh, but now, now's not the time for that. Now is the time for this. Uh, you might be wondering if this episode contains mature language, and the answer is yes. Yes, it definitely might. Uh, and so I will introduce you now to this episode's lecture. The topic is on having a penis, and the lecturer is Chase Joint. <laughs> Hello, thank you very much, Sheila, for the invitation. And to Mari and Salvatore for sharing vulnerability first. It makes going last a little bit more fun. My lecture is entitled On Having a Penis, and I am last because Sheila also wanted to prioritize the dick jokes at the end of the night. <laughs> I was born in a local suburban hospital via dramatic C-section with 10 fingers, 10 toes, jet black hair, and a vagina. Soon after learning to speak, I convinced my mom of the aesthetic merits of a bowl cut and thus lived the majority of my childhood in triumphant, symmetrical, androgynous glory. In 1986, my parents enrolled me in a summer camp at a local art gallery. On the first day, boys and girls arranged themselves in gender-segregated groups on opposite sides of the room. I, introdu I introduced myself to my new friends as Stephen. At the end of the two-week session, my parents arrived to pick me up, and the counselor announced, 
Your son was such a pleasure to have at camp this year. Our son, questioned my parents. The next summer, my mom arranged for me to be on an all-boys baseball team. Thankfully, at 10 years old, everybody looks and sounds the same in stirrups and a snapback. I distinctly remember not being able to tell if I had a crush on the coach or if I wanted to be him. And little did I know how awesomely that confusion would continue. <laughs> After one notable Little League win, my teammates assembled on the dugout bench with their legs spread wide and their hands in fists. Come sit down, we're celebrating, they screamed. As I approached, each boy started rhythmically wrapping his knuckles on his jock cup to the beat of our team cheer. I'm sorry, I think I gotta go, my dad's here, I said, knowingly cupless. The next morning, I asked my dad to drive to National Sports so that I could see about jock straps for girls. The sales associate introduced us to a contraption called the Jill, which could be summarized as nothing more than a triangular piece of flat plastic with dangling elastic bands. That is the dumbest thing I have ever seen, I said loudly and asked for a jock instead. The cup cut into the creases of my legs when I walked, but I internalized the sting as penance for feeling like such a badass. There is a price one must pay for strategic invisibility. The first penis I touched belonged to my childhood friend Jordan. We used to play doctor in the basement of his house and take turns being little genital-touching creeps. <laughs> I remember his penis as being tiny and soft and uninteresting. <laughs> the second penis I touched was not of my choosing. I was forced, I was young, and the encounter complicated my opinions about penises and the people who have them indefinitely. In college, I learned about feminism and started sleeping with people who identified as ladies. I bought my first strap-on at the Hustler store on Sunset Boulevard, not realizing that the cock component of the purchase was made out of a foam that felt eerily similar to a noodle one might use to go swimming. <laughs> I learned about the power of penetration and about the control required to execute hip-thrust-style fucking while hands-free. That's not my technique. I continued to sleep with men on occasion, but found the encounters to be increasingly confusing. In the early 2000s, I learned about transgender people and heard stories about misaligned relationships between people's brains and people's bodies. I started getting really drunk and only talked about these things when I was crying. In San Francisco, I encountered trans men at lesbian bars who felt like walking manifestations of misogyny, and I thought to myself, if that is what trans means, then trans is not me. I started going to therapy and realized that I was really mad at my dad. <laughs> and even madder at the parts of myself, that, or the parts of him that were so obviously parts of me. When I started transitioning, I vowed to never be like him, a sentiment that was both a promise and an impossibility. My first years on testosterone invited more hair on my ass than any other part of my body, a sick, cruel joke. And as a result, I started to think about myself differently. Where did a penis fit into this self-made constellation of patchwork masculinity? At the Royal Winter Fair, sheep with the largest testicles win the most prizes. But do I even need testicles if I know how to stand and pee? 
At dinner with my friend Nathaniel, we talk about his kids who are going through puberty. Mid-conversation, his youngest walks through the kitchen with no pants on, playing with his penis in one hand and eating an apple with the other. <laughs> Nathaniel breaks conversation with me to say, sweetheart, you can play with your penis or you can eat the apple, but you cannot do both simultaneously. The kid left the kitchen and returned with his pants on. And in that moment, I learned that sometimes the apple is the priority. In preparation for this lecture, I started paying close attention to penis-related content on social media. Thankfully, my friends know how to deliver without my asking. The first article that appeared in my feed was titled with a question. What horrible things did we do to our penises last year? The author listed numerous penis-related traumas from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission's database of emergency room visits, most of which occurred as a result of people attempting to insert things. Two entries that I would like to present to this group for further discussion are intoxicated aggressively dancing against a female partner when felt a pop in his penis, and eating bowl of chili that was boiling hot, spilled down chest onto genitals, did not remove chili. <laughs> Comments about the fragility of masculinity aside, why would one not remove the chili? <laughs> Just a few weeks ago, I watched a video entitled, When Lesbians Touch a Penis for the First Time. In the clip, gold star lesbians, that is lesbians supposedly living blissfully untouched by the world of penises, make manual contact with the flaccid penis of a very handsome gay man. The clip made me think about trans women in my community and how complicated relationships between identities and bodies are so often rendered invisible by pop culture. These kinds of texts made for laughs are so exclusionary and phobic of so many. It also made me think about the fact that that video rests on the assumption that none of these adult lesbians have ever touched a baby. A few years ago, I ventured out into the world of online dating. Up until that point in my life, it had never really occurred to me to pursue sex in this manner, mostly because I don't trust men. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, said my friend Tim about the potentials of finding sex on the internet. Just don't overthink it. The first ad I posted was somewhat formulaic. F to M seeks cis man for casual encounter. Tim was right. 50 emails showed up in my inbox within the first 12 hours, and I began a process that felt somewhat similar to online shoe shopping. Too shiny, too tight. The whole thing was an experiment for a number of reasons. As someone who spends most of my erotic attention with people who identify as women, I wasn't sure where men with penises lined up in the game of reality versus fantasy. And at that time, it was impossible to separate the triangulation of feelings I was having regarding my A, anger and confusion about my lack of penis, B, desire to have sex with a penis that I can feel, and C, potential desire to have sex with people who have a penis they can feel. I arranged to meet a handsome man a few days after my posting. Five minutes into our still fully clothed encounter, he got off unexpectedly on account of being overexcited. The shame and disappointment in the room was palpable. I tried to crack jokes to make him feel better and got up to get him a drink. 
From the kitchen, I looked back at his face and thought, don't worry, sweet man. It's hard to play with your penis and eat an apple at the same time. And sometimes the apple takes priority. Thanks. Chase Trite, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are there any questions? Yes, you ma'am. We want to hear more about why you took issue with the lesbian touching penises video. Yeah, for sure, because it presumes a category of lesbian or an identity that lesbian would map onto a certain kind of body, right? And so it, it presumes that someone who's lesbian identified would obviously not have a penis, for example. And so it's kind of putting people into reductive categories in a way that I find to be exclusionary of a lot of trans people who are trying to live in categories that they aren't necessarily choosing or that don't match up with their bodies. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Anything else people would like to know? Any other questions? Yes, yes, you ma'am. Penises can be strange things. Do you have any penis preferences? Do you have any penis pre... First of all, you preface that by saying penises can be strange things, which didn't really relate to the question in a way... Do you have any penis preferences? Yes, they can. Okay, but sorry, I don't know why I'm so... I'm so charmed by the question. But I'll just let you answer it, and I'll just let myself experience the charm privately. So do you have any preferences? I was, in, I was in the shower prepping for this speech, and I was thinking to myself, what kind of questions are going to come after a speech like that? And I right. stopped the train of thought immediately because I had no idea. And I also knew that questions like that would come with which I've never thought about before in my life. Um, you never thought about what kind of penis you prefer? Whether you have any preferences about penises? Good challenge, Misha. Good challenge. <laughs> <laughs> just check it. Just check it. Don't, don't, don't go away. I'm not going to pass. I'm not right, going to pass. Okay. Take your time. When purchasing a penis, there are a number of things to consider. Consistency being number one. You don't want it to be too hard because then it gets in the way of the ability to cross your legs. You don't want it to be too soft because then when you pull your pants down, it might fall out. It's really how far I consider my preferences <laughs> for penis. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Sure, it does. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions? Anything else you would like to know? Yeah, yeah. You. Talk more about the whole pool noodle thing. Tell, me, tell us more about the pool noodle thing. You just, you're just like, 
just want to hear more about that. So strap-ons come in a variety of different sizes and shapes and textures and colors, and the leading material chosen by those who can afford it is silicone as a result of its ability to be sterilized and as a result of its ability to mimic textures that some people feel more akin to bodies. I had none of this information as an undergraduate at UCLA, and so I walked into the Hustler store, which anyone, if anyone has ever seen it, it's basically booby cupcakes and penis suckers, and then there's a tiny curtain where you can buy pornography and the occasional strap-on. And I didn't know, but what I had purchased was something that was, first of all, all one piece. If you're buying anything that's all one piece, I'd advise it against it. The, the dick component was made of um, a giant piece of foam with a plastic sheath that surrounded it. <laughs> it was very light. If I had thrown it in a pool, it would have floated for the rest of its life. <laughs> when you say you don't want something that's in all one piece, I don't even know what that... Like, does that because mean something where you buy the scrotum separately and then you put in the... Like, what does that... Totally. What does that mean? Really? Well, I like mean, if you have a desire to have a certain size balls, then I encourage you to buy the scrotum of your choosing. But it's really because if you're going to be able to exchange, then you might want to be able to pick and choose based on your. So you can actually just you take. The, I'm sorry, I don't. So you can take the different parts and you put them together and like you customize. So. One hundred percent, any dick of your choice. Oh, all right. Okay, cool. It's a whole new world, awesome. people. All right. Uh, any any other questions? Anything else you would like to know? Yeah, see you, sir, yeah. Uh, what inspired you to talk on this topic today? What inspired you to talk on this topic today? Uh, I am a filmmaker and a writer, and in some ways I think my practice is grounded in a really quite earnest desire to pay certain kinds of things forward, and I gain a lot of strength in my life from trans people and people of color and people who are working in different political circles who put their bodies in public to tell you that you can sub a dick out of an O-ring, right? Like, in some ways, I think that that's a really useful way to be in public. Um, I think first person is a limited way of doing that. I think that feminists brought it to us in glorious need in the 70s, and it's been troubled since then. But ultimately, I do think locating some of these dialogues on people's bodies is still a very necessary political practice. And I think it's kind of funny sometimes. I mean, it's not. <laughs> For sure. D can, can I hear more about um, when you were talking about like the Little League thing? Yeah. So you were like, I want to play Little League. And your parents were like, you're, you're like, I'm a boy who wants to play baseball. And your parents were like, great, let's put you in Boys Little League. Yeah. Was that like, what was that? Was that just easy? Did they just do that? Or were you, I guess I want to know more about that. My mom loves telling all these stories. They're her favorite stories to tell because they make so much sense to her. Because I think that as I gain more language as an adult, it becomes more and more confusing to her when I'm like, but I don't want a piece of penis. And she's like, but why? <laughs> like, you, you went to baseball, you know? Um, so, um, but I think at some point I was able to articulate a level of ease around my desire to be in a certain kind of body and to, frankly, just be in a certain kind of homosocial organization, right? Like, I wanted to be with boys. I wanted to do the things boys were doing. And I think they took a chance on that being the right choice. And do you think it was the right choice? 100%. Absolutely. Right, right. And it wasn't a choice that continued, right? It ebbed and flowed. But that was an example of them taking a risk. And right, right. Cool. Was there a moment when, but then when you went in there, you were going in there and you were, and you were, were you worried? Were you worried that you were concealing something? 
only one I didn't have a jock cup. I mean, it was right. sort of an issue of practicality at that point. It was, I am now, I'm realizing something about this situation that is causing me to be an outsider, and so now I'm going to And you didn't feel it. like that before. So before that, you didn't feel like, oh, I'm a, you didn't feel like, oh, I'm a girl pretending to be a boy. You were like, I'm a boy, and I'm with boys, and I'm playing baseball, and it's great, but I'm just, I'm the one boy on the team who doesn't have a penis, and so that's... So, so that Not even doesn't have a penis, doesn't have a jock cup. Right, 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 right. Wow, so that's awesome. Okay, so that's really that, that, Who cares so about like, the penis? Right, it's about the drums. Right, because yeah. it's not like... Right, because it's not like they're... Because when playing baseball, like when they're on the baseball team, the penis itself doesn't really yeah. come into play. No, it doesn't seem to work out for people with penises on baseball fields sometimes. <laughs> that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Right, that's true. So the whole point is just to have yeah. something to put your penis in, and you're like, oh, I don't have that, and that's it. But everything else, you were like, oh, I'm good. 100%. That's awesome. Okay, great. Oh, uh, yes, you, sir, in the back. Yes. What do you think of people who, the moment that they realize that you're kind of transgender, they start judging you? What do you think about people who start judging you the moment you realize they realize you're transgender? And then would you judge a homophobic, for instance, as well? Why, why would you do yeah. Um, I definitely don't think I'm aware of the first moment that people start judging me because I'm transgender. So I think that moment is happening for people on their own and is probably really complicated. Um, do I think it's homophobic or transphobic? I mean, I think that we encounter information in a lot of different capacities in a lot of different ways and I think people should be given a chance to calibrate and to act accordingly. So, you know. Does that, does that begin to answer your question? Yeah. All right, cool. Yes, anything else you would like to know? Any other questions? Yes, yes. Have you ever traveled somewhere where you didn't feel comfortable bringing your genital gear? Have you ever traveled somewhere where you didn't feel comfortable bringing your genital gear, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My genital gear. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we could spend a lot of time talking about the perils of traveling while trans. I do have a great story about being forced to unpack all of my genital gear in front of Rachel Bilson <laughs> on the cons security belt of LAX. And I thought, hello, Rachel Bilson. There's my penis. Hello, <laughs> Rachel Bilson. She didn't care. <laughs> but yes, it is definitely a... And is that, does that answer... Where, where did the question come from? Well, or if you would uh, choose where you're traveling to based on countries that are sort of more liberal. Wait, does it affect your choice of country to travel to? Does it... Yes. I don't think that my choice of travel is based on where I could bring my genital gear as much as it is what sorts of socio-political contexts make sense to be moving in and around and with, and traveling while trans is a very real consideration, but I'm happy to leave a dick at home. <laughs> right. Any other? It seems so much more flexible now to have the Misha, welcome to a whole new world. <laughs> Playing baseball would be easier, and the parts are all interchangeable, and you don't have to, you don't have to take it with you everywhere. <laughs> You are saying true things. Yes, over there. Yeah. So just a clarification on the last point. Like, I, I have a genital gear, but Right, so you're like, hey, how come, how come I don't have to show my penis when I travel, but you have to show your penis when you travel? It's as if the world is unfair in some way. There's a... <laughs> Something about the way the world treats us that isn't not exactly the same, and kind of want to explore that a little bit. Well, I think we could answer your question a number of ways, right? One of which is that, as Misha has so 
curiously attached to, uh, certain kinds of strap-on capacities are removable, and just as you are going to have to remove your cell phone from your pocket, you would very realistically need to remove your dick from your pants for the same reasons of um, x-ray scanning and security. But of course, the other layered capacity to that is that we read gender first physically. And so we are reading people's gender all the time. And so security people who are at airports who are encountering your face, and I can't see your face, so please don't take it personally, your face, right, who are encountering your face are, are reading gender on you all the time. And if your gender is non-conforming or is incongruent, then they are going to push you through to different kinds of checks. I say and that's what happens. And is that actually the policy? Like they're like, oh, that's a thing that you're carrying with you, and you, you're going to have to inspect that thing or whatever. That's like one hundred percent. It's not a policy. It's just a practice. It's just a thing. It's how it goes. So they're, they're not even at the level of having a policy on that. They're just like uh, confused. Look at that kind of thing. Right. So, okay. All right. Cool. Uh, yes. How do, you, how do you respond to misogyny in all male spaces? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that all male spaces are really interesting environments to think about misogyny because, of course, all male environments, misogyny functions in a lot of different ways. And it's not just exclusive to trans bodies that are impacted by the ways that misogyny is working in change rooms, for example. Um, and I pick and choose my battles. If I am changing my shorts in a yoga studio, I might let it go. If I am hanging out with my buddy's kids playing first-person shooter games, I might think about engaging in a conversation about what it means to be dudes shooting guns. I think it's, you know, it's going to change all the time. Okay. So that, does that answer your question? All right, sure. Yes, anything else? Any other questions that you would like? Here. Oh, wait, wait, over there. Oh, says, thank you, thank you. What are you working on right now? <laughs> Do you want to know? Thank you, Casey Messia. This is your friend? Is this someone who's... This is my friend, Casey Messia. All right, who wants to know what you're working on? Yes, exactly. Uh, thank you. And by the way, the, the, the Q&A can be just an occasion to catch up with friends. <laughs> Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, Casey, uh, I have a film coming out with CBC in April, and I have a book coming out with Coach House at the same time. There you go. I have $20 for you later. <laughs> <laughs> Ask you in the back, yes. Uh, I work at a camp. You work at a camp? Yes, I do. So it's a really promising start, I just want to say. <laughs> Can you give advice to someone who works at a camp to make their camp more ex more inclusive? That's a very sweet question. I'm answered always to that in any context in camp or classroom is to actually just try and meet people where they are. So if they're using language, use the language they're using. Or if you watch them making different choices, try to facilitate those choices because they probably know more about it than you do. All right, cool. But that question is kind of the best way to start that. Okay, cool, awesome. Well, maybe let's wrap it up there, ladies and gentlemen. Chase, joint, ladies and gentlemen. Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was originally chosen by Sheila Hetty. This podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Our coordinating producer is Kate Bars. If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.